Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is also brought to you by Green Scene. Green Scene is a family-owned company recognized as the Sizzle Award winner for outdoor living in Williamson County. We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. Green Scene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge, today's edition. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the Pearl Jam show that I went to go see, discuss uh, what we expect to see in college football uh, and the NFL, and discuss a little bit of uh, what I call postseason golf uh, and what to feel like you're getting ready to prepare for uh, at the end of this season and as you look towards next season. Uh, let's start with um, the games. So, so far this year, college, I'm 9-6. and six. NFL, I am seven, four and one. Um, a lot of good games on this week. Let's start with. Um, let's see here. We got a great game Friday night. Washington is playing at UCLA. Both teams are four zero, and Washington is favored by two and a half points at UCLA. I've got a chance to watch Washington play, and I have not seen UCLA, but I cannot believe that the UCLA Bruins are going to have enough to slow down Washington. I'm going to take Washington minus the points, two and a half, to beat UCLA. The next game should be very interesting. Texas A&M, number 17, goes into Starkville to play Mississippi State. Mississippi State is favored by four. And it's so hard as a Mississippi State graduate to buy into the fact that we can win big games like this. <clears throat> I'm not convinced that Texas A&M is that great, and I'm not sure that that 
Mississippi State loss to LSU wasn't an aberration, being that we figure out ways to lose to LSU every year. Uh, we And we successfully did it again. Mississippi State given four to Texas A&M. I'm going to take Mississippi State and the points. I think the Bulldogs win by seven. We're going to call this 31-24 and a really big victory for the Bulldogs and a really difficult loss for Texas A&M. But I just think the Bulldogs are starting to hit their stride, and I really do believe that they're one of the best teams in the SEC. Another big game. Michigan goes into Iowa. Michigan is favored by 11, and it is so hard to just roll up into Iowa and think that you're going to win. I see Michigan winning this game, but I do not see them winning by more than 11 points. Iowa plays really good defense. They play awesome at home, and Michigan did not impress me very much in their victory last week against Maryland. I'm sure they're a powerful team, but I'm not saying that they're going to beat Iowa by 11, so I'll take Iowa getting 11. I don't think they win. I think they Michigan wins 28-19, but they're, they're not covering. And probably what looks like the game of the week is number seven, Kentucky, is playing at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by seven. Two really uh, interesting teams here. Kentucky, they look really strong really strong and that will levis kid who transferred from penn state to went to kentucky has really shown to uh, be an extraordinary player mississippi given seven to kentucky Mm. i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the rebels to cover at home i think it's a 38 28 game Uh, and it's gonna that's gonna be one we're gonna be sweating coming down the home stretch but Ole Miss wins by more than seven, so I'm taking the Rebs, which is really hard for me to do. And another game, this this has like flashing red lights. Uh, Alabama, number two in the country, goes into Arkansas, coming off of a game they take totally handed to Texas A&M more than once. Arkansas may have been looking ahead to this game, feeling themselves. I feel like Arkansas is going to give Alabama all they want, like they do the like they've done the last three or four years. But they will not beat the Tide, and I think Alabama covers, but it not by much. But I think it's just going to be a fifty to thirty game, Alabama and the cover. We got two more. We'll go six games. Why not? Oklahoma State at Baylor. Oklahoma State is three and zero, ranked number nine, playing. At Baylor, ranked 16, 3 and 1. And I am, I cannot believe Oklahoma State's going into Baylor and taking down the Baylor Bears. Baylor is giving Oklahoma State two. I'm taking the Baylor Bears and the points. This will be a high scoring affair. I'm going to call this one 51 45 Baylor over Oklahoma State. And the final game we'll pick, we'll pick six in this one. Wake Forest, number 22 in the country, goes into Florida State. Florida State is 4-0. And I was pretty impressed with what I saw last week in Wake Forest. Whether or not they can believe that they belong in beating a perennial team like Florida State, who is definitely not the Florida State that we would come to know. I'm taking 
Florida State to win, but to not cover. I call this one 28-23. Florida State's given seven to Wake. I'm going to take Wake Forest and the points, but no, Florida State's going to win that game. So it should be a really interesting, should be a really interesting week uh, when it, as it pertains to college football. We're starting to get a lot of these this season getting started with the in-conference play. And when you're talking about the Big Ten and the SEC, you're going to constantly have big, big matchups there. This week in the NFL, we will I'll have one pick before this comes out. This will be out on Friday. But the Thursday night game is intriguing to me. The Dolphins 3-0 going into Cincinnati at 1-2. I think that the Dolphins are going to come off of a hangover win against the Buffalo Bills. They're going into Cincinnati. I think that Joe Burrow has figured it out. I think a lot of these teams realize when they're not going to play their starting quarterback or their starters in the preseason, those first two games, uh, they're hit and miss. So Joe Burrow really started to look like the Joe Burrow we expect, and so did the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals to win and cover and shock the Dolphins. I'm calling this a hangover loss for the Dolphins. The Bengals are going to take this one. Joe Burrow plays awesome and writes the Bengals ship. Sunday, we have the Titans and the Colts. Titans 1-2, and two, Colts 1-1-1. One, one and one. The Colts are given the Titans three and a half in Indianapolis. <laughs> Much like a Mississippi State fan, it is so hard to be a Titans fan. And when we play the Indianapolis Colts, we figure out ways to lose. I think that the Titans the Titans will win this game and they will cover, obviously, because they're getting three and a half. This is going to be a 27-24 game, another year that takes another game that takes years off your life if you're a Titans fan. But the Titans pull this one out 27-24 and go up in the conference by a half a game over the Colts. And well, I guess they could be tied with the Jaguars too, but I don't expect the Jags to win. Let's see here. The Commanders and the Cowboys. This is a 12 o'clock game on Sunday. The Cowboys favored three and a half over the Commanders. Cowboys, much like the Broncos, are kind of winning games ugly. Can they pull off another win without Dak against the Commanders, given Washington three and a half? I'm taking the Cowboys to win by more than three and a half. I'm calling this one a, a 30 to 20 game. Cowboys over the Commanders, and they cover the Jaguars and the Eagles. Now, if you're a fantasy player like I am, I was really, I never really thought that I'd be drafting Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts uh, is the real deal. It looks like he's improved his game. And he's playing like everybody hoped he would. I think he's a spectacular young man. So I love the, uh, I love how well he's playing. The Jags trying to figure out if they're for real or if it was just a weak schedule, early start to a, to a good 2-1 and one beginning for the Jags. I think the Eagles thump Jacksonville. I think this one's a pretty big blowout. I think the Jaguars are not legit. I think the Eagles might be the best team in the, in the NFL. If not, they're one of the, the big four. I'm taking the Eagles to win by more than 6.5. I'm calling this one 28-17, Eagles over the Jags. The Buffalo Bills, who are probably, if they're not the Eagles, the Bills are the best team in the NFL, playing the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is playing like, well, Lamar Jackson, totally dominant. 
This one's going to be interesting because I don't think the Ravens' defense is the Ravens' defense of the past. And Lamar Jackson, I'm not sure that he can carry them all the way. This one will be a unbelievably exciting football game. I am taking the Bills. They're given three. I'm taking the Bills to win by a touchdown, 34-27, and probably the game of the week for sure. But really kind of it. This this one could be a big game for the Ravens. If they win this one, they're off to a great start. And the Bills, although maybe 2-2 two and two at that point, still look like they're the most dominant team. And a game that we don't know where it's going to be played, uh, a preview of another possible Super Bowl uh, game on top of what we saw two years ago, Chiefs and Bucks, supposed to be in Tampa Bay. It may go to Minneapolis because of the hurricane. Kansas City is favored by one going into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gets Mike Evans back, but they are so limited offensively. I just don't know what to say. I mean, the Bucks defense is so good, but I think that the the Chiefs' offense is better than the Bucks' offense against the Chiefs' D. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win in another super classic game between two great quarterbacks called 28-25 uh, Chiefs, and they uh, they get the cover as well. So those are, those are the six NFL games, six college games. Let's see if I can keep – I keep barely winning in the odds three to two all three weeks in college, and I've won – I've had the majority win on both days in the NFL. As you know, the show is uh, about sports, music, wine. And I have been a Pearl Jam fan, and I have seen, I've been fortunate to see Pearl Jam off of every album that they've ever made. And this one was a two-year delay. It was supposed to be on my son's, Cameron's 12th birthday. So we had a 12th birthday party on his 14th and a half, essentially. And Pearl Jam came to town and the opening act was Josh Klinghoffer, who uh, used to play with the, the Chili Peppers. He was getting absolutely barbecued in all the uh, reviews from the uh, previous concerts. I thought that they that he was phenomenal. And at the end, they he played a cover of one of my all-time favorite Alice in Chains songs, Nutshell, with Mike McCready on guitar. That was one of the uh, the songs of the night. But... You know, for for me, only Tool is bigger than Pearl Jam, and I've seen Pearl Jam. This was the 14th time I've seen Pearl Jam, and it's the first time I got a chance to see it with my sons. And when you when you think about all the things that you do in your life that are sentimental to you, both boys when they were babies, I used to sing to them at night. I'd sing Better Man and Indifference to them, and obviously Better Man being the more popular of the two. And Pearl Jam is now playing a scaled-back version of their concert because I think they're protecting Eddie's voice. Um, so the last time I saw Pearl Jam play, they played 37 songs. This time they played 22 songs. And so we weren't sure we were going to see Better Man. But late in the show, they played Better Man, and I got a chance to experience that kind of amazing moment with both of my boys uh it was an emotional moment i didn't never really thought that it was going to hit me like that but 
there have been so many songs that have such a an earmark in my life. It's almost like Pearl Jam is a large percentage of the soundtrack that I've lived to. And to be able to share that with my kids was just so phenomenal. I kept the streak going of Let Yellow Lead Better as the closing song. That's the eighth consecutive show that I've seen that. And it's the first show since in the early 90s that it didn't open with release for me. I have seen nothing but release open since 1996 off the No Code Tour. Oh, so good. Some of the surprise songs was I haven't heard them play uh, Don't Go in usually since 94 in Atlanta. So amazing to hear that song. I usually hear that early in the show. This one showed up in the encore. Phenomenal. The energy was great. Obviously, the, the song load is down probably 40%. But at the end of the day, Pearl Jam brought it for two hours, crushed it. And if I had to put out like the greatest bands that I've seen live for the quality of their sound, I think Pearl Jam is only behind Metallica in their ability to absolutely crush it live. The energy's great. Metallica is just in another level. Every time I've seen them, they like every time I think that this that's going to go, it's, they're not going to be as good. They might be even better every time I've seen them. So Metallica is the greatest, and obviously I love Tool, but Tool is a, a different version of a concert. And I always have to throw out the bias. I try to throw the bias out because how much I love them. But that Pearl Jam show was phenomenal. Great to share it with my kids, and I got. Uh, I got another big one coming up on Halloween night. Pussifer's coming into town. So that's also from the same lead singer of Tool. Maynard Keen will be in town for Halloween. That'll be a, a wild ride as I'm absolutely positive that uh, Maynard will have it definitely bring it that night. One of the most important things as a, as a golf coach is... To almost recognize, well, there's no almost about it. There are three phases to learning golf. And I always say it's not hard to learn golf. It's hard to unlearn golf. And as you get to be a more seasoned player and the more balls that you've hit, the harder it is to make changes. And with this strain on time, the adults who don't get a chance to practice as much as teenagers do, it's a harder haul in the change because of how many balls they've hit. So as we head into the first week in October, we probably have six weeks, seven weeks of really my favorite time of year to play golf is the month of October. But we probably have at least seven, six to seven weeks of great golf left to play. And I just think to... How much I enjoy walking golf, and I hardly ever get a chance to walk. But I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm going to be joining West Haven. I taught golf there for six years, and it was really a great moment in my life. Uh, I love being a part of the growth of that club. Obviously, West Haven started in 08, right as the economy collapsed. It was a struggle for everybody in that particular moment. And... So many fond memories, so many great people there. I'm just so grateful that Chris Cawthon is still there. And 
I'll be uh, also reuniting with Timmy. For those of you who listened to the radio when I did uh, Talking Golf with Virgil Herring, or if you've taken lessons from me long enough, from 2001 until 2016, there was like a Batman and Robin uh, situation between myself and Tim Segarich. Tim is probably the greatest club fitter that I've ever seen, ever known, and he's been a, a, a great asset to my career. Well, as starting in October, uh, I will be uh, doing my club fittings for West Haven. I will not be teaching there. I'll be playing golf there. But I will be, I'll be using Timmy to help my, uh, my teaching business to uh, help do the club fitting. So it's going to be fun to be reunited with a person that I've had so much success with in the industry and uh, try to uh, get everybody's game in the best shape that they can be. So here are a couple quick keys. As we head into the fall, you're going to start to face more wind. Wind is a unique, it's probably the most challenging element that we have to play every, every, every day. And most people don't know the differences between being into the wind and downwind. But what I have found to be true, and so is Trackman, is that for basically every mile per hour, you're playing downwind. So let's just say the wind's blowing 10. For every mile per hour the wind's blowing down, you will get a yard per mile per hour. So if you're, you hit your 7-iron 170 and you're 10 miles per hour downwind, it will go 180 in the air. But if you're playing into the wind, that 10 miles per hour will cost you 1.7 yards per mile per hour or 17 yards. So the club that you'd be hitting into a 10 mile per hour breeze would be hitting from 153, a 7 iron, if you hit your 7 iron 170. It is not a 1 to 1 ratio. It is 1 to 1 down and 1.7 to 1 in. And of all the things that I've ever had the opportunity, I've got a chance to spend some time with Tom Watson in 2002. And he, I was getting ready to go play in Ireland. And he came. And oh, I'm sorry, it's 2003. 2003 he came. And he talked about how he never really changed his golf swing to play in the high winds. And, you know, he's the most prolific open champion in the modern era with five and he just said, you know, take one more club than you think you need until you prove yourself right by hitting it over the green and just give me a call. If you ever hit one over the green, well, it's essentially 20 years ago playing into the wind. I have probably hit eight balls over the green in 20 years downwind. And every time I do, I have taken one more club than I thought I needed, swung smooth, and just pured it and hit it through the wind and hit it into the back of the green or over the green. But one of the greatest things I ever got out of a tour player was that you don't need to change your swing. Just take one more than you think you need, swing smooth, and keep the spin off the ball and keep the trajectory down. 
Hitting more greens in regulation is critical for lowering score. That seems obvious, but I've had an interesting, multiple interesting conversations lately because based around Scott Fawcett and Lou Stagner's information off of Decade, that you have a much higher chance of making a par from 40 feet putting downhill than you do chipping from five yards off the green onto the green up the hill. Most people do not believe that to be true, but irrefutably stating that even the tour players, so it has to be even more grotesque for the average golfer, even the tour players have a better chance of making par putting from 40 feet downhill than they do chipping uphill from five yards off the green. I would not have ever guessed that. But one of the things I can tell you is that in 2003, the first time I played in Ireland, I played as good as I can recall playing in high winds, and it was all because I kept hitting more greens. I didn't make nearly as many birdies as I may have thought that I would have, but I did not make nearly as many bogeys. I finished second that year, but it was it felt like a victory for me because I had really always struggled playing into the wind. I always tried to hit it too hard, and the ball would upshoot on me. And I just love that information. So when you're playing, challenge yourself. If you're playing in 15-mile-per-hour winds and you're at 150 yards, and that's usually you're a 9-iron, and you think it's a two-club win, you're going to hit seven, grab six and swing smooth and see what happens. Let's hit more greens and regulation. And I promise you, your scores are going down. The second thing that I would always try to get people to understand is the off-season is critical for what do you want to do in 2023, so to speak? What is the key for you in achieving your goals for next year? And begin the process of setting that up with all of the technology that's out there today. We don't need to be on a driving range. We don't need to be out in the elements. We don't need to be doing things while we're really cold. There are simulators everywhere. I have my own now in my home. I'll be teaching golf out of my home. And it's a total game changer. And you can do basically anything in there now. And TrackMan has so elevated the game for indoor technology that I just feel... Like, the things that I noticed that create the biggest challenges is people don't know how far they carry the golf ball. From lob wedge to driver. They don't know their shot dispersion, so they don't know how to aim. And both of those things are easily featured on a track man. And it makes it so powerful for people to see, you don't hit your driver 310. You hit it like 265. Well, I hit it 310 that one time. Yeah, I get it. That one time. But what do you what do you do consistently? And if I'm I just believe that Scott Fawcett has totally changed the game in so many ways, but his strategy information based off of tour player data is literally life-changing. So if if you can play great golf, with predictability of curve and distance. You don't have to have a great swing. You just have to know that it's going to it's going to fade or draw, hook or slice, and you have to know how far it's going to carry. If you know those things, it's really really important to know those because when you do, you can tear apart a golf course.
Now, obviously, the more curve you have, the more the more difficulties you will have because that means you're hitting it with a glancing blow one way or the other. But at the end of the day, knowing how far you carry the golf ball is essential. Now, <clears throat> for the vast majority of people who play the game, that's okay, over 80% of the people struggle with the slice or, or at least driving the golf ball without a slice or hitting it off of a tight line, a fairway. Just know that literally, by and large, if you could get set up aimed somewhere close to the target with the ball position slightly ahead of center for an iron, and you can make a 95 to 105 degree shoulder turn without your trail leg moving, that's called a pivot, and then from that position, you can swing to a finished position where your trail shoulder is facing a target, and when you recoil your belt buckle and your sternum are facing the target, it's really hard to mess it up from there. Now, you can be slightly over it or slightly under it, but I would always get people, if you can just aim it and grip it and have a reasonably good setup, make a good backswing turn no matter where the golf club is, and follow through on balance facing the target, it's really hard to mess it up. And once you're doing that, it's easy to kind of change the direction that you're swinging it. So if you're tired of hitting that slice, or you're tired of hitting the hook, or you're tired of hitting your pitch shots fat, your short pitches fat or sculled, they happen to be the same flaw. This is the time of year where you can really do some work that you didn't have to in the past because of, the, of all the simulators. And it's a game changer. So I'm really looking forward to helping people in the winter get their games to where they want to be. If you have any uh, any questions for me on scheduling lessons or how how best to come see me, you can contact me through all of my social media platforms or you can email me at virgilherring1 at iCloud.com. Happy to, uh, happy to help you. This is also the end of the uh, high school season, and as the, I, even though I'm no longer the Endsworth golf coach, the 2021 golf season ended with Endsworth being number three in the country. And in my opinion, this is uh, uh, the last year for Endsworth to have a very dominant team. Uh, they shot eight under par in regionals, and they head into the state championship where we'll, we'll butt heads with a bunch of really good teams, including the team that was ranked number one in the country, uh, the Baylor Big Red out of Chattanooga, but MUS, Memphis University School, and Brentwood Academy are all going to be tough and probably replacing uh, Endsworth into the top 10 in the country going forward for the next probably three or four years is going to be Brentwood Academy. They are loaded, loaded with super young talent. So it's going to be fascinating to see where they go. And Middle Tennessee is, it's got to be one of the 10 hottest beds for junior golf uh, in the country. Uh, this year, so far, I've had uh, 13 players qualify for state, multiple regional champions, and I'm just excited. My history has been largely coaching boys, but recently I have been picking up uh, a, many good girl players so this year, the, the SNEDS Tour Junior Player of the Year, Bella Bug from BGA, uh, I really can't 
believe that she's not has not been offered a, a scholarship to a major golf power at this particular age. If she's not the best 18-year-old player that I've ever coached, she is in a very short, very short crowd of players. And both of the players that I'm thinking of played at Vanderbilt. And if if Bellabug is not better than those two, it's not by much. And I cannot believe she's not going to Vanderbilt. But either way, Bellabug is phenomenal. Gracie Harrington, who's had uh, injuries, really dominate much of the early part of her high school career. She won districts and regionals for Dixon County. She's playing wonderful golf. Reagan Robinson's playing wonderful golf for Father Ryan. Savannah Cherry at Ensworth playing very well. So this is going to be a fascinating uh, girls' state title because there are probably three or four girls in the district two or the the I'm sorry the the class two and class one. There's probably another eight or nine girls that can win it there. So this should be very very competitive, and the girls' games are super high end. And and obviously with the Tennessee Junior Cup, which has been put together by Scott Stallings. Obviously, this that was happening last week. The MVPs of the event for the West team, the victorious team from the West, Bella Bug was the girls' MVP, and Jackson Harrington was the boys' MVP. And Jackson, who set the record or well, set the lowest record for any score by a freshman on his freshman year at 11 under par and didn't win, uh, he is ripe to be victorious in his junior year state championship. Aiden Collier, who's signed with Lipscomb, is also in a good spot to win. He finished second last year. And uh, my son, Lucas, uh, was finished fourth in regional to the Demon Par round. A lot of players playing really good coming down the home stretch. At Tennessee golf never ceases to amaze me at how low it goes with uh, the boys' team uh, shooting eight under par as a team in regionals. That's really good. Tommy Frisk, congratulations on your 65. That's that's outstanding. I'm, and then after that, you're going to see, like, everybody's going to take a deep breath because it's been basically since Valentine's Day, so all of eight and a half months of full-bore golf. There'll be a couple of invitationals in October and early November, but other than that, everybody goes into the assessment phase of learning and trying to get their uh, game where they want to be and come out in 2023 with a good game plan, both the physical side of the game and mental part of the game, which includes strategy to me, and uh, try to get better. So let's, uh, if you have any questions about your game plan, how to set up a game plan, how to go about a winter program to help you with your game, please, uh, please reach out to me here. And I will look forward to steering you in the right direction. Thank you for following on The Verge. Hope that you have a wonderful week. Next week, we will have another long-form interview. I will be talking about wine this time. So stay with us next week for that. Have a wonderful week. See you soon. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician 
if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.